My name is Anna. You have found your way to the paranormal avenue. If at any time you find yourself a little scared, just remember I will be here to hold your hand in the dark. If you have a tale of the paranormal, do share, and maybe you'll find that you yourself belong here in our neighborhood. Submit your story at paranormalavenuepodcast at gmail.com. Now, let us begin. As kids, we were very adventurous and easily influenced by the many shows of that time that encourages outside play with friends and sometimes even alone. One of our favorite things to do was to play in the town creek that ran behind our homes. Most of the, these homes offered an entry point to the creek, some cleaner than other but access nonetheless. Playing in the creek included fishing for crawfish and the occasional fish that we knew were there and had seen swimming in pockets at different points of the creek, with the deepest part being around six feet or so. Every so often we would have to retreat to the banks when the water got to this point. The other side of the creek was a towering hillside that was covered with wild fruits of melons, muscadine, and plums and climbed to the military airbase at the top. Dodging and swerving in and out of the creek bed had us pretty exhausted about two miles in, but we were determined to press on to ensure an epic adventure that would put us in the big kid status. We eventually came to a junction of sorts where we had to walk on the airbase side of the bank. The further it went, the more we cut into the hillside. I think we all knew it was time to turn around, but we could not find an easy or clean point to do so. I suggested simply turning around single file and reversing course, which put me now the last one with the slowest of our four-man group leading the return. A few yards into our trek back, my friend, B, stopped in his tracks and pointed to a small clearing that seemed to cut further into the hillside. It was covered with prickly vines and large pieces of red clay that looked like bricks. We were somewhat in shock at what we were looking at, and at this point we decided it was necessary to attempt to move to the other side of the creek to avoid what we all felt but could not see. Something was definitely wrong. As we waded through the creek, which is now about two feet at this point, we could all see the opening clearly now that we were directly across from it. Sitting further back into the opening was what I would describe as a giant dollhouse. This house was about five foot tall covered on all sides and included a rickety small porch with small pots, tools, and an old doll dressed in clothes that seemed more suited for colder days. This doll had a dirty scarf or wrap around the neck and an old floppy hat that fell down into its face. I cannot tell you what made one of the members of our group decide to pick up a rock and throw it at the doll house. 
The stone hit the front porch and landed at the feet of the doll that stood on the corner. I instantly knew that this was a bad idea, but before I could voice my thoughts, another rock was thrown, this time hitting the doll. What happened next would change us and destroy any idea that we were ready to be one of the big kids. What, we thought, was a doll was indeed something else that had now come to life. It began moving its feet as if waking from a slumber. Our friend M let out a scream, proclaiming what we all were witnessing. What both angered and scared me was that we knew what we were seeing, but still had not started fleeing. These seconds of hesitation allowed this little creature the time to make eye contact with us, bringing his weather and snarled face to bear. The group took off running as fast as we could, limited by the narrow pathway and muddy terrain, slipping and sliding along the way. I could hear something pursuing us close by, and I was pushing one of my friends to run faster, as I could not get past him along this trail. Everyone was scared to death as we were unable to bring ourselves to look back, and had no idea how close this little creature was. Everything got eerily quiet and I could no longer hear the pursuing creature. I immediately knew that this meant he was no longer behind us, but was trying to flank us. This felt like my worst nightmare coming to life. We looked up to see the Town Creek Bridge sign and started our climb on the street side, which brought us to the back of an apartment complex. An elderly lady was dumping trash and noticed our panic and fear and hurried us off to her vehicle where she then took us back to our neighborhood. I am an adult now and have long since moved away, but believe me when I say that I have learned that in this world you only know what you think you know. Thomas Mysterious Island I am a security officer for a company that works on a private island in Miami called Fisher Island. Fisher Island is the most expensive zip code in the U.S. My usual shift is 8 to 4 p.m. I was called in to be on fire watch for an overnight 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. because the alarm was working but the sprinkler system was down. I've never worked overnight at this location. I arrived on time and did a perimeter check of the property. It's really beautiful. Killer water views from almost every angle. This island has many famous people who have had residences here. For privacy reasons, I will not divulge. Most of the units are empty with few people living here full time. I'm sitting in the lobby, enjoying the AC in the hot and humid Florida weather, when one of the door motion detectors goes off alerting me to what I'm thinking is probably someone forgetting their key card and needing to get in. 
I grabbed my flashlight and headed to check the door at the end of that corridor. I get close to the door and saw no one. I opened the door to the outside and checked around with my flashlight. I see no one. I go to the alarm panel to see if I have any codes. I return to the desk and had just settled back down, and there it goes again. The same door alarm. I head back down the hall to check that maybe the door alarm connection contact has been broken. Again, no one is at the door. Back to the panel I go. Now I think someone is messing with me. So I reset the panel. I settle back in my chair and bam. This time I check the cameras. There is no one on either side of the door. Now I'm really thinking I am being pranked. I didn't want to overreact so again, I placed my headset on and tried to dismiss it. Through my headset I started hearing something underneath the music. It sounded strangely familiar, like the build-up sound, the intake and expelling of air that large alligators make just before they are about to thrash and attack. That heavy breathing and guttural growl. I snatched the earbuds out and looked around the lobby. At this point I feel and hear something is there. I tried to relax and tell myself everything was okay, but I couldn't shake this feeling of dread. An hour or so had passed, and it was time for my inside rounds. After I made it to the last door check, I turned to head back up the hallway. As I turned the corner, in front of me I saw a dark figure that I can only describe as a black mist. I remember laughing at some of the training that I went through, thinking I would never use it. But it was right here, I noticed in my trained observation role, the top of this black mist being as tall as the illuminated exit sign in the hallway. In the middle of this mist was an even darker center that looked like a single eye. I watched this darkness now spread to each wall, blocking any chance of me running past it on either side. It pulsated like some kind of build-up. Then it hit me that this was the same thing that I heard earlier. Now I could also see what was making this noise. All training went out the window at this point. I didn't know what I was seeing, but I am not afraid to say I was terrified. I was armed with only a flashlight that I waved back and forth, which the beam seemed to only reflect off the walls, but not this mist. This was my first night, so I didn't know the layout of this building, but I knew I couldn't go forward. I turned into the stairwell in the hopes of going up, around, and down. As soon as the door shut behind me, I wondered if I had made the wrong decision. 
Luckily, I found my way back down to the lobby. When I arrived, I met one of the other security officers. He introduced himself and said that he worked in the South Tower but normally stopped by to talk during the shift. We talked for a bit. It was then that he told me that he really just wanted to see who was working the shift as the last guard had left 20 minutes into the shift the previous night. He simply walked away. He gave no notice or reason. I am not 100% sure that this black mass was the reason for his departure, but I am sure that I won't be going back. Olivia Hi Anna. I just found your podcast and have been hooked. I really love the mood and tone that the podcast sets. I am an 8th grade English teacher from a rural county in Maryland. One morning I came to my school to start preparing the classroom for the start of the school year. I was sitting at my desk and I felt like someone was watching me. I felt like whatever it was, it was dark and heavy. I don't know how I knew this, but somehow I felt it. Even with the AC off, the temperature in the room was frigid. This was happening on a regular basis, and not the first occurrence. Strange things ranged from whispers in my ears to shadow figures in the corner of my classroom. Later that day after a few meetings, I had a visitor, one of the teachers from another school. She walked into the room and asked me could she talk to me for a moment. I had never met this woman, nor was I expecting anyone. This was not unusual as a lot of new teachers tend to stop in and ask questions as they know I am a teacher with over 25 years in the school system. She said it wouldn't take long. She introduced herself and then proceeded to tell me that she was a sensitive and that she needed to explain that to me before she said anything else. I was kinda surprised but wasn't opposed to what she had to say. She pointed to the back of my room and said that I had an entity. I looked her up and down, knowing all the while that something was definitely wrong. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was something. She simply smiled at me and said, I know you have felt something wasn't quite right. She apologized for being so direct and tried to make pleasantries. We started walking around my room. She said she was looking for hot spots and portals. She explained that it was very important that we know how this entity gained access. 
This would determine the course of action we needed to take. We reached that back wall of the classroom and she placed her hands on that wall and said, Yes, this is it. She removed a silver piece from her purse and started saying what I thought were prayers. She explained that the force was located here. It wanted you to accept it as a lingering spirit, making you comfortable. In fact, it was not a spirit, it was a demon. She told me never to converse with this evil or acknowledge it. This thing was there to feed off the energy of the kids, laying in wait until the start of the school year. She gave me the blessed medal and showed me how to make my room very uncomfortable for it to stay. I wanted to know more, but she said that it was best that I didn't. There is a hidden element involved when most people encounter these types of entities that compel you to connect with them on a spiritual level, making it hard to banish them. For this reason, the less you know the better. Before she left, I thanked her and we exchanged numbers. She laughed and said she was glad it was done and now maybe she could sleep at night. With the separation of church and state still being a hot-button topic, you will find my blessed medal hidden behind my picture of Shakespeare. Best regards, Janice. It was in the woods. My wife's family invited us on a camping trip to a small secluded lake in New England. Our group was about ten people and the next campsite had a group of four. The distance in between each site was about twenty to thirty yards. This was great as it gave you some privacy, but also gave you the feeling of being safer in numbers. Whether it was true or not was left to our naive beliefs at the time, I guess. After a long day, both groups were doing the typical camping activities. Between eating, playing, and telling stories, we all heard what sounded like crying. At first, we couldn't clearly make it out. The longer the evening went on, the louder this sound got. It seemed like whatever this was, was closer, but just out of sight. Both groups could now clearly hear the sound of a little girl crying and calling for help. Neither group had children, but we all heard a little girl's voice, and together we decided to search for where the noise had come from. About 50 feet behind our campsite was a small clearing with a small patch of trees in the center. It was there that we saw a very large white figure standing nearby and making that noise. 
We all agreed that this was probably six feet tall, skinny, and looked a pale grayish white. From this distance, you could still see its gnarly body and deformed face. When it noticed the group, it started walking slowly and awkwardly into the trees, pausing to look back at us before disappearing. I didn't know what this was exactly, but I had heard stories and a warning that you never answer the call of the soulless cries. All night, we lie awake listening and resisting the mournful cry. The camping trip was cut short, and we left early the next morning. We awoke to find the other group already departed. In doing some research, I am now pretty sure what this was, and I dare not speak its name. More than a fair warning, if curiosity gets the best of you, and you decide to do your own research, be sure to never read its name out loud. Ollie Growing up in the country, Halloween was so much fun when my sisters and I were younger. Our costumes were much more creative than the costumes that are purchased today. We would make our costumes out of whatever we could find around our home. It made it so much more fun creating your own costumes. Every year my two sisters and I would go trick or treating with our two friends next door. Our road was dark except for the lights from the houses waiting for the trick and treaters, then the street became dark. We would continue to walk to the last house on the road to the old farmhouse. The old lady that lived there would always pass out the best homemade popcorn balls. We had to walk down a hill with corn fields on both sides of the road and over the railroad tracks and then further on sat the old farmhouse. We were scared by the time we reached the door and terrified at the thought of walking back. As we started our walk towards home, we never made it past the cornfields before we all started running back up the hill. I always thought that this was the finish to our night and our crowning jewel to our favorite season. As scared as we got, we did it every year to get those delicious popcorn balls. This time things would be different. We left with anticipation and excitement, and most things were just about the same as every year. That was until we reached the cornfield. As we walked up the hill, we heard crying coming from the field just off the road to the right. We all heard it and stopped in our tracks. We looked at each other with a look of, did we just hear that? I motioned for us to continue walking and we started up again. 
We made it a few more yards, and there again, we hear crying. This time the crying was accompanied by someone calling my name. We could all hear it once again. Strangely, this walk usually took about 15 minutes, but somehow it seemed a lot longer than normally. We all knew this having made this trek every year. One of my friends, Dale, turned and was fixated on another patch of the cornfield. Later that year, rumors spread of a cult using the cornfields to summon entities during Halloween, when evil was free to roam unchecked. Some may think that this was just Halloween fright, but history tells of the original meaning behind Halloween. The ancient Celts believed that the veil between the worlds of the living and the dead was at its thinnest during Samhain, thereby making it the ideal time to communicate with the deceased and to divine the future. On the evening before the new year, the Celts believed the boundary that separates the living from the dead weakens and becomes blurred. Spirits cross over from the other side and, for a brief period, ghosts roam free across the land. Over the years, the traditions of lanterns in the windows and doorways grew in homes, in the belief that the carvings would scare off evil spirits and welcome deceased loved ones inside. It is thought that over the many hundreds of years, this focus on the dead has slowly increased the planet-wide rift in the veil. The seasons passed, the world became dormant and prepared to reawaken in the spring, but during this time something else happened. On the evening before, a menacing atmosphere in the darkness of October 31st forced the living to take measures to protect themselves from the dead. They would build bonfires and wear costumes, typically made of animal heads and skins. Their night became a fiery display of the presence of the afterlife, a way to deal with the ever-pressing threat of death. Druids were also believed to have increased powers of divination on such an evening, so the Celts would spend a day telling fortunes and predictions about harvests, romance, and the end of life. Whatever your belief, it would be wise not to dismiss or disrespect the one confirmed fact that this is the most focused time of the year for all things that go bump in the night. I truly love the podcast. Lindsay If you are enjoying this podcast, please let us know and tell a friend. Your support is greatly appreciated and makes it possible. 
If you would like to advertise with us and grow your business or spread your message, again you may reach out to us at paranormalavenuepodcast at gmail.com. The Pioneer Outreach Church Hi Anna, I will take this time now to apologize for the length of this story, so I will be as brief as possible. My name is Gerald. I was just another displaced worker during the pandemic who found themselves homeless. Through the local church and community, I was finally selected for a special housing program. I was very grateful. The program took care of my housing and some utilities, but you were still ultimately responsible for your food and other essentials. The day came when I was to receive the keys to a home. I knew nothing about this home or its location. I was given an address by my appointed counselor and a meeting time. The directions took me to the outskirts of our small town, down a half-paved road, and finally to the gravel lot of the Pioneer Outreach Church. I was sure that modern technology had failed me, and I was in the wrong location. After doing a quick turnaround, I was pointed in the direction headed out. I stopped briefly to check and re-enter my directions. As I sat with my head lowered, I was startled by a rap on the window. My eyes met those of an older woman, maybe in her late sixties. She was slightly frail, had a gently worn face, and a warm smile. She introduced herself, and we exchanged a few pleasantries. After giving me some keys, she pointed to a driveway that led behind the church. She explained the conditions of my stay again and asked if I had any questions. Before I could answer, she began walking away. I followed her to her vehicle parked behind me. Before leaving, she rolled down her window and asked, Did I have any family I could stay with? I explained my situation and she smiled and nodded. It was something about her. Not so much her, but what she wasn't saying with words. I jumped in my little truck and slowly pulled around the small weathered church. The short drive brought me to the top of a hill and an older, small framed house. The house was actually in decent shape. It seemed structurally sound and there was nothing that stood out. In fact, I was actually excited. A few days passed and after some hard work, I was finally getting acclimated. 
I was sleeping in on a very well-deserved Sunday morning, only to be awakened by church bells and the sound of singing. I eventually got dressed, made myself a cup of coffee, and walked out onto the porch. I could still hear the singing and thought this would be a great opportunity to see what I should expect while living behind a church. I made my way down to the church only to find it totally empty. This was a WTF moment. I knew what I heard. I stood there in front of the church, in the gravel, trying to figure out what was happening. The parking lot was indeed empty, not a vehicle in sight. I decided this was not a good time to doubt myself and started to head back home. When I made my way to the home, the inside glass door was slightly ajar. In the glass was a reflection of an older man dressed in a white button-up shirt and black bow tie. He had long gray sideburns and wore a flat black hat. Actual WTF. I jumped back a bit in my shock. I tried to lie to myself, but again, I knew what I saw. I finally settled down and in, just relaxing, scrolling through my phone. I was feeling down and I felt like I needed a win. I was grateful for what I had, but I was nowhere close to where I was. I said out loud, I need a win. I hear a voice say, more. I sat straight up and turned on my phone to use the backlighting to see what I knew I heard. As the last bit of light faded from the phone, I swear I saw a face, the same face I saw earlier in the reflection of the inside glass door. Over the next couple of days, I would see dark shadows within the darkness and continue to hear whispers. One morning, I received a call from a recruiter offering me a position as a machinist on an oil rig in the Gulf. I was packed and gone in less than 30 minutes, even though the job was not set to start for another week. I will be forever thankful. I don't know if this was a good thing, a bad thing, or a little of both. Truth be told, I don't think I would have lasted another day. The Witch and the Rig I am a truck driver for a regional trucking company. My destinations usually begin and end within a radius of 500 miles. This particular time I decided to take on a load that took me much further west of my home state and covering 2,200 miles easily. Extending my driving time and distance, 
and not being used to it caused me to tuck her out a lot earlier into my hall. I was tired, so I decided to call it a night and look for a place to stop. The last town that I passed was over 25 miles behind me now, so I was left with a choice of keep driving or pulling over on the side of the road. Luckily, I happened upon an old dusty gas station that looked quiet enough in my view, and I needed a restroom stop like nobody's business. I decided to pull in and park there for the night. There were minimal lights on in the back of the store and one light over the pumps flashing on and off, on and off. I jumped down out of the cab and headed inside. The door was open to the station and I walked in, calling out to see if anyone would answer. As I turned to leave, I noticed the sign on the door said closed. I was confused. If the station was closed, why was the door left open? I thought maybe the place had been burglarized or the door simply not pulled shut. I left the store and looked around the side for the restroom. Afterwards, I climbed back into my truck and started to settle down for a rest. I turned on some music and laid there thinking about the rest of the drive. From my bunk I could see the one flashing light over the pump start to glow brighter. I started to have this unusual feeling come over me like someone was just outside my rake. I felt like I had just made it back in the nick of time to the safety of my truck. I turned away from the window for a second and that light seemed to pulse again causing me to look out the window once more. This time when I looked, I saw my face in the reflection of the glass, but it was not my face. It did not move as I moved. It was first unclear, then it slowly morphed into that of an old woman. I was so exhausted and all I wanted to do was sleep. So I chalked it up to fatigue. I laid back down and at my window was this face again. This time I could see the woman with her mouth stretching vertically, reaching way below her chin, as if she was screaming at me. I had never felt this level of hostility and anger. I could feel my emotions being overwhelmed and my head was suddenly pounding like I had been binge drinking. It wanted in and I wanted out of there. I jumped into the driver's seat and started up my truck, but was met with the terrifying realization that I couldn't leave. I had to wait for a few minutes until the air pressure built up. For the moment, I was stuck.
I am not afraid to admit that I hid in my bunk area, crouching and clutching my tire thumper. I didn't want to see that face or anything else like it. This was one of the longest waits of my life. I finally heard the air pressure tone go off. I again jumped back into the driver's seat barefooted and pulled out of there, never looking back. Thanks for making the time pass as the podcast keeps me company on the road. Ronnie This listener story is called Touched by an Angel. Throughout my childhood years, I attended many religious summer camps. Fast forward many years later, I am now a counselor in one of the same camps. Even though some things have changed, we still valued some of the old ways. One evening we went to church very late for prayer and worship. I was very tired from a full day of activities, but made myself push through and on to the worship center. As we were sitting quietly in front of the altar, I suddenly heard the front door open, which was weird because no one else had access at that time. I turned around in the small church, and I could clearly see that the door was closed. I then saw a shadow moving across the wall. Very weird, because there is no way anyone else was in the building. Later as we were closing our prayer, I felt a hand on my right shoulder, and I sprang to my feet. As I looked around and didn't see anything or anyone nearby, I felt odd. The best way I can describe this feeling is the feeling you get when you are excited in anticipation of something you're really looking forward to. As we were leaving, I got this same feeling again, accompanied by a whisper in my head telling me to turn around. When I turned around, I saw what I could only describe as an angel. I describe this as an angel because of the beautiful wings extending outside the bright light that surrounded it. Because of this brilliant aura, I couldn't make out much more. As it slowly faded away inside the brilliant light, I breathed in what I thought was the smell of sweet bread. Even stranger, I could also feel the warmth associated with the feeling. I'm not sure of why it happened. I would like to think that I was allowed to see this as some form of reward for the many years of faith, and I am really glad I experienced it. Rita Hi Anna 
I wanted to first say thank you for the space that you have created for me and others like myself to share their stories. So last night I thought that I'd go barefoot to the pool. Not a good idea. While walking back, my feet slipped out beneath me. I fell landing on my left side, but I felt absolutely no pain. When I made it inside, I realized that I didn't remember the impact of hitting the ground. I thought, surely it was the adrenaline, and that I would pay for it the next day. I thought today would be bad, not even a bruise or any pain. I know that someone that loved me helped lower me to the ground. Falling from an upright position to concrete should have caused me a lot of pain. After my daughter realized I didn't get hurt, she laughed her ass off because I called out for her. Maybe someone else was also listening. Mel Paranormal Concierge by Michael S. Back in the late 80s, I accepted a position as a patient care tech in a long-term care facility. I was pretty experienced by this time in my career and with this particular assignment. Back in the day, most of the time the male staff was limited to the male residents. This day I was introduced to a quadriplegic and a new resident, Mr. J. We soon became pretty close as you sometimes do in this field of care, and as we did, he became more comfortable with personal subjects and conversations. We often talked about our lives, hopes and dreams. I worked the 3 to 11 shift and no matter what was planned or scheduled for that shift, it began with first stopping in to say hello. Working this shift for most was always kinda eerie and could be very creepy at times if you were not used to it. This night I started my shift as usual. As I looked down the wing where Mr. J was located, I noticed he had a family member visiting as I saw a tall figure enter his room so I stopped and turned around as not to disturb this quality time. Later that shift when I made my rounds and way to his room, I was met with a different resident than the normally always cheerful Mr. J. The energy was very different and strange, and I knew something was on. This on is a feeling that comes over me when spirits are present. It starts with a tingle and then a flush of emotions, sights, and sounds. As I stood by his bedside, I saw a dark figure in the corner near the window. It just looked at us. Although I couldn't see any details or features, I could clearly see the outline of a tall man-shaped mass of about six feet. I am what I would call a trained observer as I have had my share of encounters with the paranormal.
I mention this because I noticed his interaction with this dark figure as he switched his gaze darting between both the figure and me. I could see he was saddened but not really scared. I assured him that I was there for him and he thanked me. What he said to me next caught me off guard to say the least. He first thanked me for our time together but continued telling me that he was passing on and would not be here when I got in the next day. Even though I was shocked, I somehow believed him because of what I had just witnessed. He could see I had so many questions but before I could ask, he said, I can't tell you or talk about it. He told me that he was not afraid and I believed him. I stayed with him as long as I could and visited him throughout my shift. The following day I called myself being smarter than the situation and came in two hours earlier determined to be there if and when it was his time. When I passed the nursing station that led to the wing, I was met by a staff member who gave me the news that he was already gone. My eyes swelled and it was hard holding back my emotions. I turned to leave the building heading back the way I entered. I was immediately pulled back towards his empty room, which was being stripped as per procedure when someone has passed. As I was about to enter the room, things turned on once again. I felt that familiar tingle. Before I could recover and gather myself, I saw him sitting there on the side of his bed, his feet dangling, and he was swinging them back and forth. His face had a huge smile and a look of wonderment. My eyes never left him as he slowly faded away. I think back and I realize he was happy that he was about to take his second, first step. Thanks for reading. Michael If you are enjoying this podcast, please let us know and tell a friend. Your support is greatly appreciated and makes it possible. If you would like to advertise with us and grow your business or spread your message, again you may reach out to us at paranormalavenuepodcast at gmail.com. This listener's story comes from Donna. Donna writes, when I was around 12 years old, I started spending lots of time at my great-aunt and uncle's home. Aunt Sis and Uncle Russ were very special to me. They taught me the art of growing into a decent person. I am one in a family of four. My aunt and uncle would take me most weekends to get me out and spend special time with me. We would go to the local auctions and out for ice cream afterwards. It was a special time and always made me feel even more special. They treated me like I was their own daughter. 
1983, I was 20 and working at a nursing home in Syracuse. My aunt became very ill, and I began taking care of her until she passed. Two years later, I lost my uncle Russ. During this time, I bought my first home in Syracuse. Although they didn't get a chance to see this, I knew that they would be very proud. One evening, I was headed out to run some errands. This is where I saw the sighting. While backing out my driveway, I first looked one way to see if anyone was approaching the sidewalk and saw two people coming towards me in the distance, walking holding hands. I then turned to check the other way when I immediately realized the two people were in fact my aunt Sis and Uncle Russ. When I turned back, sadly they were gone. There was nowhere they could have gone, as I only looked away briefly. Looking back, I am not surprised that they both came to visit me and say hello. It is wonderful to know that they will always be watching, and I will always cherish the memories we made. This listener story comes from Bridget. Bridget writes, I want you to know that I am not a paranormal seeker. I don't go looking for the paranormal, but things find me at times and I just take it in stride. I am a nanny of an 11-month-old girl named Lacey. We spend days having 80s dance parties and reading books. I travel a lot with the family I work for. We live in South Florida but have spent about a month in Copenhagen, Denmark. We are staying in a three-bedroom Airbnb for the extent of our stay. The apartment is in an old cream-colored brick building with a red clay roof. There are six floors and about 120 units. There is a huge common courtyard where neighbors and families socialize. It's large but friendly. So, I'm getting Lacey ready for a nap. I changed her diaper and let her on the floor to get some last energy out. As soon as I put her down, she crawled right down the hall, through the kitchen to her parents' room. I was told that no one would be home until much later. I hear the baby in there chatting away in her usual baby talk. Then I hear a man's voice talking with her, clear as a bell. A few sentences like you would when talking to a baby. Hi, sweetie. How are you? Hey there, little baby. I'm thinking her dad had maybe come home and decided to take a nap. 
But why I wondered, is he talking to his own baby like this? I run in there to grab her so she doesn't disturb her dad. The window was open and a breeze went through banging the windows. I saw no one in the bed. I thought the voices may be coming from people talking in the courtyard below, but realized that it was on the other side of the building. Something felt wrong, and my sixth sense went off, and I started getting that feeling you get when you enter a strange place that you know you shouldn't be. I immediately went into protection mode thinking maybe we had an intruder. I checked the closets, behind the door and the rest of the room, and there is no one else there except Lacey. I scooped her up, closed the bedroom door and left the apartment for a walk to clear my head. I can honestly say it freaked me out. Later that day I mentioned to the owner that I had an unusual event happen, and before I could finish my sentence, he finished it for me by asking did I hear the man's voice. Maybe you should mention that when advertising your Airbnb, Spirit in Tokyo by Heather. Heather says, I still don't know what it was, but it was deeply personal. It happened here in Tokyo when I first visited as a tourist. Something, and I emphasize the thing part, made some kind of contact with me. It woke me up, but I could not move. I don't know if it's really paranormal, but it felt overpowering and utterly alien. I think it's what people here call gods or spirits that guard the shrines. It felt old and powerful, and I was terrified at the time. I still don't know how to explain it. I felt it knew everything about me and didn't really care except for passing curiosity. I still don't believe in God, but that made me seriously consider what else is out there. I'm sure something does. But I don't think it, or they, give a shit about us. To feel this way was not a comforting experience at all. I do know that whatever this was thinks of us the same way that we feel about ants. I still don't know why it initiated contact, but it hasn't happened again. Whatever it is, I hesitate to call paranormal. It simply exists here and probably has for a very long time. I feel that it is natural even if we don't recognize it as such. In fact, I don't actually think there is anything out there paranormal. I think it's all natural if it exists at all.
Could it just be our perception or our inability to explain things that make it unnatural? A special gift. Not sure if this is the right place to share this, but here we go. I lost my wife eight years ago. Like so many others who have experienced this, I was heartbroken. While I have now accepted her passing as a part of life, it really doesn't make it any easier. I had always secretly wished that somehow she would visit or contact me in some way just to help me move forward, but it never happened. A few years ago, I got the courage to go through some of her things that needed to be sorted and felt like I finally could. I came across her last cell phone. Even during modern times, she was very simplistic and still owned what I thought was the last of the flip phones. This phone along with some other items had been boxed up and stored for more than seven years at the least. I was a bit sad as I laughed about it and flipped it open. When the phone was flipped open, it powered up and the old-school green screen glowed. I thought, no way this thing still has battery power. Before I could finish the thought in my head, the screen read, one new message. I was headed down the rabbit hole, and I wanted to know what was her last text. So I thought that I should hit the button to see before it powered off. The text read, I know you are worried, but everything is okay. I smiled and said, oh, okay. Strangely, I didn't remember receiving this text from her, but knew that she had the phone with her in her last few days. I wiped my eyes and continued sorting until I came to the realization that the text was a new text dated for that day. Even more strange, how could this phone still have power after being packed away for so long? Well, I have chosen to believe that a phone is made for communication even across earthly and heavenly planes. James This next story comes from Sally. My boyfriend and I bought our first house. We moved into our home a little over three years ago and love it. Wasn't until recently that strange things have begun to happen. It started with me having the distinct smell of cigarette smoke. This has been going on for about a year. It's like someone enters the room, sits down next to me, and blows cigarette smoke in my face. 
Neither of us smoke nor did the previous owner. Then a little over six months ago, I got up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. I was home alone, my boyfriend was at work. As I exited the bathroom it looked as though there was someone at the end of the hall peeking around the corner watching me. I blinked and it was gone. Several nights later it happened again. I blinked and it was gone again. It was quiet for several months and then one night as I was coming down the hall, I turned the corner and there was what I thought was my boyfriend. A large shadow shaped like a man. I gasped. As I walked through it, it disappeared. It wasn't my boyfriend. He was still in bed asleep. I woke him and he thought I was seeing things and dismissed me. Just a couple of weeks ago, during the day my boyfriend was home working out. As he turned he saw the shadow watching him. He shouted, I see you. The shadow turned and he could make out the legs walking away. We do not feel like it's evil or feel afraid. Yet. Sally. Comforting Angel. I have heard of traveling to another time and space, but I never set out to do it. However, this one time I think I did without even trying. We all know life can get stressful, and at the moment I had a few things going on and was weighing some big decisions. The backstory is that my sister died of cancer at the early age of 42. She and I were close and had a true friendship. She was the older sister of 10 years and I always went to her for advice. It was a few years after she passed that I think I went to visit her, crossing time and physical space restraints. I walked into a YMCA where a friend of mine was performing in a play. I was walking down the hall and saw a woman in a bathing suit and towel. She looked just like my sister Eugenia. I said to the woman, Wow, you look just like my sister. Her response was, I am, you dummy. I stopped in my tracks and looked in this woman's face. It truly was my sister. She asked me what I was doing here. I said I was here to see Jill perform. She said that after the show we should go to the food court and have lunch. I said, perfect. I asked her what she was doing here and her response was that she was teaching swim lessons for St. Peter. It seemed very logical at the time. 
A little more backstory. My whole family of swimmers had taught swim lessons most of our lives in some capacity or another. It was our go-to job when wanting to make a little extra cash. We were raised Catholic as well. So, the teaching swim lessons for St. Peter answer made good sense. After watching my friend Jill perform, I met my sister in the food court. We were trying to decide what to eat and I suggested a salad place because we were both always on a diet. In true sister form, we both headed for the ice cream shop instead. We had ice cream and a good heart-to-heart -heart sister talk about life. We didn't solve all my problems that day, but I felt satisfied and complete. That visit with my sister was the best gift I could have gotten. I have not experienced that kind of travel since. Our minds are so powerful. Don't underestimate your power. B. I am sharing not one story, but a combination of multiple stories with similar experiences. I am a photographer. Sometimes I shoot to get paid, but mostly I shoot for pleasure. I am not a serious ghost hunter, but for fun will go places known to be haunted and love to take photos of these experiences. Sometimes unexplained happenings show up in my photos when traveling, and I wasn't ghost hunting. I traveled to Colorado and had the opportunity to visit the Stanley Hotel. This is the hotel where the book The Shining was based. The movie was not shot here because the hotel would not give permission. My boss and I were excited to take the ghost tour here. Side note, I highly recommend it. I had my Canon digital camera with me to capture all the ghosts I was going to see. I was pretty skeptical. So, I shot everything, every room. Not once did I feel a presence, but kept shooting away. I never did feel a presence, but in one of the rooms I smelled someone smoking a cigar. There was no smoking in the hotel. I asked the tour guide about smoking in the hotel because I distinctly smelled a cigar. The tour guide said absolutely there was no smoking, but the room we were in used to be the billiard room and back then, smoking was very common. The tour guide asked if anyone else had smelled it too and no one responded. Strange that I was the only one. I continued to take photos of windows and doors and entrances and open spaces all at random.
I wasn't expecting to see anything when photos were downloaded to my computer. Much to my surprise, the downloaded photos displayed several orbs in different rooms, as well as faces in the windows and shadows displaying human-like figures. One figure in particular was a man dressed in a maintenance uniform and blue cap leaning in a wooden doorway. The tour guide had spoken about a maintenance man who was known for wearing a cap and uniform and he was standing in the same room I smelled the cigar smoke. When traveling I consistently have photos with unexplainable orbs. I was on a trip exploring the Appalachian Mountains and my friend and I were talking of a friend who recently had passed. The recently deceased loved the mountains. I took a photo of my friend and a beautiful vista behind him. After returning home and downloading photos, there was an obvious orb in the photo I took of my friend. I am sure our friend who had passed was traveling with us. Just last week I was in Ireland with my older sister. We were having a great time in County Clare. I was taking photos of so many beautiful country views, buildings, and castle ruins. My sister and I were saying how much we wished our other sister, who died many years ago, could have traveled with us. The three of us would have had so much fun. Evidently, my sister who had passed came on our trip without our knowledge. The photo I took had an orb clearly glowing next to the portrait I took of my sister overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. Although she couldn't be here physically, I am glad to know she is always close by. Mary Hi Anna, I am sharing this particular story because it's outside of the realm of the classic paranormal. In 1996, I accepted a position that required 40 straight hours of work. My hours started 6 a.m. on Saturday morning and ended 10 p.m. on Sunday night. For me, the routine was very normal and it allowed me to work in the state of GA and then drive to where I lived in Mississippi. I would normally hit the road directly after work because I would be wide awake having been able to sleep on the job as a part of my accepted routine. The drive from Atlanta, Georgia to where I lived usually took approximately six hours, including stops. This was a great opportunity to work and still be home with my family for five days. This particular Sunday, I was driving through a desolate section leading from Alabama into Mississippi. As usual, I had the radio cranked looking for stations to listen to. Hearing the story, you would wonder why the title of my story is called Breaking the Veil. 
I have often heard that during certain times realities can merge. Sometimes for brief seconds or even longer. After finding a radio station, I all of a sudden heard what could only be described as dead silence, absolutely void of sound, including what should have been on the radio. The section of the highway was straight and like most interstates in the south was lined with trees on both sides of the highway going east and west with a clear grassy median. In the silence there was a bright purple flash of light with no explanation. Appearing through the flash was a giant foot, ankle, and leg stepping over the trees. The left foot and its stride was so huge I never did see the second leg. The foot was able to step over the trees and two lanes of traffic into the median, then over to the other side of the highway. The details were so vivid and clear that I remember seeing jagged toenails and yellow nail beds. This giant foot had a shackled ankle cuff and chain. I am not sure what I was more disturbed about, the fact that there was a giant running through the path of my station wagon or what could be possibly chasing something that gigantic. After I passed this point in the road, I look back in my mirror to see nothing but darkness and hear nothing but silence for about another five seconds as the radio started to bleed through once again. I can't explain why it happened, but I know what happened. I was extremely grateful to put that stretch of highway behind me. I continued working for another year and never experienced anything like that again in my travels. Thanks for reading, Joe. The street lights are now on, and it's time to say goodbye. The avenue is safe once again. If you're looking for more great podcasting, be sure to follow Richard C. Morgan into the marsh with his unique one-of-a-kind podcast called Marsh Lights. Find the Marsh Lights podcast on your favorite streaming platform. We'll meet you there.